The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Full Court Press, Hour 2 here on a happy Friday to you all, March 27th, 501, your start time here, and grateful to have you joining us wherever and however you are joining us from. If you missed the first hour, it is posted on our podcast platform, Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Just type in Eric's name, my name, or the Full Court Press, you'll be able to find it all, uh, including past episodes, past interviews, and such. Uh, if you missed the first hour, we uh, we talked a little bit about Utah Jazz basketball, Rudy and Donovan, and the Utah Jazz team as a whole, including coaching staff and uh, other staff members uh, have been cleared and are healthy. Uh, but uh, basketball is yet to resume and looks like it probably won't resume until maybe, if we're lucky, late May. Uh, and then we talked a little bit about uh, what that means for the NBA. Brian Windhorst had made some comments about maybe they play inside of empty arenas to air hanging crafts. That's right. You heard it right. And what? what? Air, air hanging, hanging crafts? crafts? Yes. Air hanging crafts. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Like the... Are those like other crafts no. you could do? Like the, no, it's the... You glue macaroni around and... What are you talking create, about? Like, no, air hanging crafts. It's like where they uh, they bring the court this down use like a some platform. Elmer's glue and some glitter? No, that's where they use the, the basketball court. They bring it, you know, like where they, they just in, insert it in. Like with some string? Onto like a you hang it from the ceiling? No. Air hanging crafts. What are you talking about? You are, you know I don't what know I'm what talking you're talking yes, about. Yes, you do. You know what exactly what that means. Don't do that An to me. Airplane hanger? What airplane hanger? Is that what you were I'm trying to play to say? on an airplane hanger? What are you talking about? I like that. I'm going to start referring to it as air hanging. That's because what it is. <laughs> You're a bully. Uh, and then, of course, Governor Herbert came down, Eric, with uh, a directive that it's a stay ha- or stay safe, stay home. Yeah, this just happened. Uh, the press conference wrapped up just maybe 15 minutes ago. Uh, it was supposed to maybe last 30 minutes. It lasted nearly an hour. Governor Gary Herbert addressing the state. Um, and we'll have more details on CashValleyDaily.com in just a few moments. But basically, he's issued a stay home, stay ho- stay safe, stay safe, stay home directive which is different than an order, uh, which I guess we're still trying to figure out what that exactly means. But the um, state of Idaho had a stay-home order, and that's a little bit more strict. Now, this directive gives counties a little more flexibility if they want to do full-on stay-home orders or be a little bit more lax, because there are some counties in the state of Utah that really are not affected, uh, but there are others that are severely affected. Um, but that it's strongly encouraging anyone over the age of 60 not to leave their homes except for essential trips to like the grocery store and things like that. Um, and we know that spring break is upon us throughout the state. Uh, it starts on Monday for the Logan district. It starts on Wednesday for the cash and, um, cash County school district. Basically Governor Herbert saying no recreational travel. You can attend state parks, but only attend the state parks that are in your county. So he's really trying to limit people from getting out and about and spreading things. Um, and uh, there, you know, we're up to almost 400 confirmed cases today, and an additional death that was reported as a result of coronavirus. 
the the rate of testing versus uh, or being positive tests versus those number of people being tested um, is still pretty good compared to other parts of the country. But the state of Utah is just trying to stay ahead of this. Uh, according to what uh, Gary Herbert is saying today, uh, he says it's okay to get out and, and exercise and go on trails and do things like that. Just don't congregate at trailheads. Social distancing is still important. Keep your safe distance from other people. You can do things as a family, obviously, but you need to really keep your safe distance from others as uh, is, that's the key to stop the spread of this, this virus. So uh, again, Governor Gary Herbert issuing a stay safe, stay home directive um, and uh, wanting people to stay home, limit their travel. Uh, it says that uh, really, if you can, uh, as an employer, encourage teleworking, telecommuting. Um, you, you also made it clear you, do not, you don't need to require a doctor's note to come to work, um, but he is encouraging uh, employers from being understanding. If there's someone who's feeling ill or someone in their family is feeling ill, they should stay home. But uh, he's doing, uh, making these announcements, trying to keep people uh, from, from doing too much travel and to, uh, to, to limit the spread of this disease. So, again, Governor Herbert earlier this afternoon, just about an hour ago, less than an hour ago, holding a press conference and um, saying that uh, he's wanting people to stay home and only go outside when, you, when it's necessary, especially in those compromised populations, those over the age of 60, those with immunocompromised uh, um, uh, health issues. So... Uh, he really wants to um, get people to, to to stay healthy, continue to practice good hygiene, but but let's gotta gotta stay home, gotta slow this thing down. You good? Yep. Okay, <laughs> I'm good. Just want to make sure. Uh, well, just the last thing here from Governor Herbert. Just uh, he says businesses that do remain open are reminded to comply with all public health orders, offer telework options whenever possible. Follow strict hygiene policies. Implement enhanced social distancing measures when you are in the workplace where telework is not an option. So, anyways, that's that's the word from Governor Herbert today. Be cool. Stay out of school. <laughs> Gee, that's already happening for another <laughs> month. Are you surprised they haven't put it down a shutdown? I guess it's just being too soft. I mean, I don't mean to get into the political aspect of things on a sports talk show, but I, I do ask. Because that seems to be the, the gripe among people after the press conference was over is, look, we're all staying in our homes. Well, you're not really, to be honest with you. Uh, and this isn't an order. It's just only a directive. Um, you surprised he hasn't come out and said, Let, let's shut this down. Let's get, let's, like, let's get this over with. Let's move on with our lives, get back to normalcy, and, and get ahead of this thing. And get it over with. Yeah, I know it's a great debate. I've heard to, to a couple different arguments. Some people saying, why doesn't everybody just shut down for two weeks everywhere and get it out of our system, get the people treated, and then slowly start to resume things. Uh, but on the other hand, others are, are like, look, if I do that, uh, that's, the economic impact of that is so catastrophic. But um, there's also another an argument that this slow trickle where things get clamped down little by little more and more 
uh, is also catastrophic because it's a slow bleed that's hard to uh, recover from. But there are businesses that are open, and this encouragement is still there from all of us here at the Cash Valley Media Group to shop local. Um, tip the best you can if you do have any kind of delivery service or when yeah, you go out. I love what he said. Uh, go to a local place three times a week. If you have the finances to be able to do it, don't, you don't have to. But if you do have the finances to be able to, to go out, please go out three times a week. Because, Eric, I think you've brought this up a couple of times. And I love what Cash Valley Daily and what you guys have done of making sure that you promote local business, local diners everywhere to get takeout. Um, and I think that's that's a great point here is if we can uh, go support those local restaurants because they're, they're going to be hurting big time. They already are. I mean, yeah. they've, they've had to, a number of them have had to lay off large sections of their staff. Thankfully, this uh, restaurant co-op was put together to help you know, keep some of those people employed as delivery drivers, but I, you know, I feel bad. I mean, the uninsurance claims are going through the roof right now. Do you know what I was just, uh, I loved was Old Chicago Pizza. Because that's a local one, isn't it? Um, yeah. I love Old Chicago Pizza. I love like the pasta's good. The pizza's incredible. Firehouse is really good too. Firehouse is, I mean, their pastas are, the bread, the, the bread actually, that uh, the bread sticks with the cheese in the middle yeah, is Fire, Firehouse is more so locally owned and operated than Old Chicago, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, well, they're both local. Well, yes, it's localized here, but doesn't mean it's a local restaurant, if you know oh. what I mean. My mom and pop started here. Wait, shut up. So wait, Firehouse is like local, local, local? Firehouse Pizza was, yeah, started here. Really? Yeah. I honestly didn't know that. That's cool. But, okay. uh, you know, I'm just pulling it up. Our, the this, the co- restaurant co-op that was put together and we're helping to promote is Cash Valley Restaurant Delivery. Uh-huh. Uh, it started out with like maybe a dozen restaurants. Now it's over thirty. So it's awesome. Wow, that they're, is great. they're coming together. All these restaurants pooling together to help each other out, um, provide opportunities for people um, to, uh, to still get some great food. If you're stuck at home, you're tired of fixing the same thing over and over. If you can uh, support these restaurants um, and, and other businesses, other industries here in town, local business. Um, Boy, it really does make a big, big difference. We've been preaching shop local for a long time here on our radio station, but uh, now more than ever, uh, is it's important. These are neighbors, our friends. Let's uh, try to keep them employed. All right. You ready to talk sports again? I'm ready. <laughs> hey, I want to read something. Today, uh, Kirk Herbstreit was asked by... Um ESPN Radio, this was late Thursday night, and was asked about, you know, college football, NFL football, and the hopes of starting in 2020. Uh, Kirk Street said this, and I quote, I'll be shocked if we have NFL football this fall. If we have college football, I'll be so surprised if that happens. Just because, from what I understand, people that I listen to, you're 12 to 18 months from a coronavirus vaccine. I don't know how you let these guys go into locker rooms and then... And, and let stadiums be filled up and how you can play ball. I just don't know how you can do it with the optics of it. Uh, he later then on continued, next thing you know what, you got a locker room full of guys that are sick, and that's on your watch. I wouldn't want to have that. As much as I hate to say it, I think we are scratching the surface of where this thing's going to go. You don't all of a sudden come up with something in July or August and say, okay, we're good to go, turn them loose. 
what do you think? Football on time? Yes, sir. By the way, Jeff Grammer of New York, uh, New Mexico beat writer said that if New Mexico cancels its first portion of non-conference season football, Eric, they lose $4.5 million. Yeah, those, that first part of the season for a lot of schools that are not Power 5 programs, that bankrolls not only the football program, but much of their athletic department for the year. So you, you got to go play those big money games. You, you're hoping for a, a game in your stadium that you know your team's going to be able to beat, that fans get excited for. Uh, and for those, uh, those ticket sales, it, it's catastrophic. But here's what... The problem I have with Herb Street is what he's saying here. He's applying what's going on now to what we don't know what's going to be happening yeah. in three months yeah. from now. So I think that's, I that's a mistake. I don't think it's a problem to be having discussions about trying to uh, explore options or understand what's going on out there. But to apply what's going on today with what might or might not be happening in two, three months from now, uh, I think is a mistake. And I think he's... He's caught up in the the, the fear and the the um, uncertainty of today, and he's applying that to what might take place later on. And I think we have to be careful with that. But I think that there is a certain degree that we have to be careful of uh, if this drags on too long, and how that does impact uh, fall sports in the NFL and college football and the NBA coming up in the 2020-2021 season. Uh, you need to have give these players ample time to get their bodies right in order to compete. Because if you don't, there's going to be injuries on the field. Um, so if he's making it sound like locker rooms right now are highly infected places, which really how how clean are is your average locker room and how sanitary is it anyway on any given day? Yeah, that's a good point. But but I just think you have to be careful about getting wrapped up in the uncertainty and fear and anxiety of today and applying that to what we don't know is going to happen and what things are going to look like three months from now. Now you bring up a great point. I, I think that's the question is what does the future look like? And to be quite honest, not, nobody knows right now. Nobody has a clue what it's going to look like. Right. For- so for anybody jumping up and down with pitchforks saying we got to cancel the college football season now, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, football- now, in a month, if if it's the end of April and we're still uncertain that if this thing's going to be resolved by the end of May, then we need to be starting to have some really serious conversations yeah. about it. Because if you don't have eight weeks, do you need full eight weeks? Do you need at least six weeks? You need some time because the off-season conditioning is really important before you even get into your fall camp. There's got to be kind of a, a drop-dead date that if, if it's not resolved by this time, then we have to start looking at pushing things back or adjusting schedules. Coach Anderson was on a another outlet. Uh, we we don't know that we we don't know the outlet, but he was on another outlet talking about the situation of if they doesn't get the kids back by June first, if they start later, and then the audio just after that will be Bodie Reader who joined Eric and I, and Eric asking the same question to Coach Reader of what happens if we don't start on June first, and why is that such an imperative thing? Here's Coach A first, and then Coach Reader after. 
If we can't get him back here on June 1st and, and give him that time, then we need to take a long, hard look at uh, you know cutting back the number of games that these kids are going to play this year. And maybe it's uh, there's just play conference games. If you have nine conference games in your season, play nine games. If you have eight, play eight. Um, space those out through 10 weeks so TV can break it up and they can have big games when they want them or what have you. But uh, obviously I have a lot of time to think about this. So, um, I, you know, we have to keep the kids in the forefront. In my opinion, it's not so much the time that I need with them, it's the time that the strength conditioning staff needs with them because it's such a violent game and now everyone is so heightened uh, awareness in the last few years with player safety for, for good reason. In my opinion, you need eight weeks with those kids because to build their bodies both you know, with muscle mass to get them in a position where they can, they can withstand the season and then also in their conditioning and, and their long muscle training of – because the thing about if, if these kids came back on June 1st and you tried to run them into the ground, you'd have 100 hamstring injuries, right? Because as much as you want to believe that they're doing everything possible to be in shape, it's just not the same as being here and being under our eyes all the time. I think you need eight weeks with them to get them to a point where they could, they could hold up during a season. It's a really good point. It's actually a valid point brought up by both coaches. Is it's, it's, it's not about TV it's not about money. It's about the kids, and we've continually forgot about that. And that's what they're worried about is, look, if we get these kids out there and start in June and just go, they might get hurt. Well, look, if they start in June, I mean, they don't need to go 100 miles an hour in, on June 1 because you're still not having games for at least 10 weeks from then. But you're going to be doing uh, progressively more difficult practices, progressively more difficult and strenuous activity on your body. So you're, you need time to acclimate and get ready for that so that you are ready when fall camp is going. You need to be, especially in those later weeks, you need to be going full speed. Yeah, yeah. And so June 1, maybe that's just an easy number, to easy date to throw out there. Maybe it's not so hard and fast that's that date specific, but by mid-June at least, at the very least, but again, that's a couple of months away. Um, yeah, it, the numbers keep going up right now. But if people are, this is all a kind of a delay of how this virus works. We didn't start really shutting things down until two, just two weeks ago. And even then, things didn't get serious lockdown across the country until this last week. So the way this virus incubates in your system for 14 days, it's still going to be another couple of weeks before. We really see the evidence of how this is is working. So, um, but then the other concern too is that if we look like okay, the numbers are coming down, we can resume, go back to normal, and then all of a sudden it spikes again. Then it's a, it's another problem. But Gary Anderson, Coach Bodie Reader, yeah, they're right. I mean, you got to have some time to acclimate. But to your point, AJ, if if uh, if you're canceling non-conference games. At least you're still able to play the game. And maybe we just look at, look, there's already a significant financial loss from the NCAA tournament not happening. And that's just the reality we're going to live in. We just all have to realize budgets will not be the same. We're all going to be running in the red. But uh, the non-conference games, the money games are going to disappear. And maybe and we just, as long as there still can be some fall football, I think everybody would be still happy yeah, with that. Yeah, be okay with it. Yep, Absolutely. And that, I think that's what we continue to forget. Oh, I'm not rolling. Uh, uh, and I, I, 
Is it crazy to say this? And maybe it's too dramatic, Eric. Please correct me if I'm wrong. We need to have college football start on time. Like, just for the sake of the country, we need NFL and college football to start on time. Because basketball and baseball will, I mean, it will get there. And it will be back. I promise you that. It will be back. But it's going to take some time. But to have college football, which is the brand of of the of the fall, right? It kind of kicks off the fall season in the most prestigious and most reverent way on a Thursday night and then on, of course, Saturday afternoon. It just kick-starts everything for you that fall is here. And if you don't start on time, it almost just feels like, oh, uh, it's a deflate. Ajay, if we're talking about whether or not the college football season can start on time, does Major League Baseball season just not exist for 2020? I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, do you even have a season? Yep, I'm with you because there's do you a, just scrap it. Okay, so here that's a, actually you know what? that's a really great question. Or do you just say uh, we just from whatever? What this is what the schedule was supposed to be, but whenever the season can get the clear to go, and we may be playing games without fans in the arena, but if we get the dates now, and we, I've heard some baseball officials earlier today saying. If they got the go-ahead today, they'd still need a couple of weeks to get everybody in oh, physical yeah, condition dude. to go. So, I mean, you're let's say they get the go-ahead today, which isn't going to happen. Baseball won't start for till mid-April. I mean, I think at this point we'd be lucky if we had any baseball happening in May. But if that does happen, do you just say we've we've lost like two months? Yeah. Do you just start here where you were all supposed see, to be on this, on that, this schedule? See, that's, there's the question. And play it out from there? Or that's you try the to question adjust right now. It's because the MLB and the MLB Players Association, they agreed on stipulations for the return of the 2020 season. More financially specifically, there's a 17-page agreement with the union on Friday and uh, with players who are willing to extend the season as long as need to cover as close to a full, Eric, a full schedule as possible. The deal provides $170 million in salary advances and guarantees service time to players even if no games are played. Here's the kicker. The season was to start Thursday, and Game 7 of the World Series was on track to be on October 28th. Now, with opening day, maybe... Maybe, best case scenario right now, according to many of sources and execs in the MLB, mid-May, at earliest, you're looking at the final pitch, Eric, being closer to Christmas Day. Yeah, really? I mean, do you just, that was my question. Do you just start where you are now in the season? Do you shift the season back? And if so, you'd be playing baseball in like late December, which is... That's just ludicrous. So now, what unless you're a southern states or indoor arena, but not all of them are. No, but then they're and then they also talked about uh, also playing maybe some of the season in Mexico. I'm not even joking when I say that. Ugh. And also looking at Arizona and warmer season or warming warmer places where it'd be a neutral site. If, for example, if the, if the uh, say the New York Yankees were playing the Colorado Rockies in the World Series. They would take both those teams and they play them in Arizona, in Texas, or in LA to play the World Series. If it were to go, and by the way, it would go into mid. I mean, you're looking at Thanksgiving for the World Series. Oh, easy, easy. So you would have to. So what they would do is they move it into into one of a warmer states: Florida, Texas, Arizona, or LA. Could you imagine Colorado, New York, playing in one of those states to play in the World Series? 
It would be interesting. It would be different. I mean, but, but be that's different. but I that's mean, what it is, Eric. We're at that point where sports is going to be different from the from. I mean, and that's why we need college football you'd have to start to come on up time. With some way to that the revenue of those games goes that's back to those teams. That's a great point. That's a great point. But I'm sure you can work that out. But here's the thing is, and that's why we need college football to start on time. That's why we need NFL to start on time because look. Everything is different. Everything is people because you always have that one person or you know that one person that hates change of any sort. They hate change. Well, if it's a sports fan, they're an absolute just manacle mess right now, right? I mean, because baseball is going to start maybe at mid-May. Basketball is best case scenario late May if June, uh, and then the Masters they're going to be playing in September. The Masters is so at some point you got to sit there and say. What can we get us back to normalcy? College football and NFL starting on time can do that for us. Yeah. No, well, I think just sports starting to happen again is a big part of that. I don't care what the sport is. I think it's going to be a play a major role. Can you imagine what the ratings are going to be on the first televised broadcast of whatever the sport is mm. <laughs> after yeah. not having yep. it for two solid weeks. Yep. It's everybody's already like dying. Um, and what if this continues on for another you know, two months? So, uh, yeah, crazy to, to think about that. Uh, and there was some talk about baseball increasing double headers to, to shorten the season. I could see that. But you, you have to add more pitchers to your rotation because yeah. your pitchers still need a, a, a prescribed number of days between. Well, they're not only thinking about that, but that they're they also starting to think about maybe playing just seven inning double header games. Well, that's that's smart. I would that these are unusual times, and you need to do so unusual. So, if you can things. have your pitcher go seven full innings for a game, that saves you your bullpen. That saves you a starter for the next day, and that actually, I mean, that gets you across. Uh, your rotation through well, a week. Go four innings without and you exhausting. Don't go in your, deep into your rotations. That's going to help you. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, I remember when when I used to go do uh, bees games on the radio with Steve Klauke, uh We'd always talk about the importance of playing the seven inning double headers and how rotations would change, bullpens would change because they have that extra, you know, two innings that they don't have to use. They can spare a pitcher in the bullpen. By the way, sources have also said that players drafted in 2020, Eric, will get only $100,000 of their bonus this year. The remaining will be split into payments made in July 2021 and 2022. Ouch. This is for Major League Baseball? Yes, it is. Yeah. That's, there are a lot of financial problems with baseball. Yes, there is. As much as those uh, big contracts get, gather a lot Why of the not attention. Why not cap kills you? It's got, it's got some real issues. Um, one of the other things, too, is... There's been there was debate happening already in the NBA among some circles that the NBA season shouldn't start until Christmas time because in the fall it's still very much football season. The uh, World Series is going on when when basketball NBA season gets started, and so uh, ratings are always pretty low. And there's been some talk about look let's just let's just yield let's just concede the fact that that season belongs to football. And even the the Major League Baseball playoffs, and then we'll just say that Christmas Day is our day to launch basketball. Oh, there you go. And then shift oh, the whole rest of the that? season into August, July, and August. The problem with that, Aj, I have multiple problems with that. I'm not seeing it. Why? I think on Christmas Day, by then. Teams have figured out a little bit about what their rotations are like. 
We're starting to figure out the, the, the storylines in the NBA. We're figuring out who the stars are, what the, the teams really are at that point. If you were to just all of a sudden start, um, I, I don't know that you'd have as much of a lead-up to it. I don't think it would be as exciting as it has been. On the other hand, the other point, too, is that if you delay it into the summer, that messes up uh, opportunities for international play. If you want to do these, the FIBA tournaments and the Olympics, um, I, I just because those are going on in the summertime, and so you wouldn't be able to send NBA players to those anymore because you'd be right in the middle of the oh, of the postseason or even the tail end of the regular season. So I just don't I don't see it. I don't I don't really buy it. But if if we're gonna try it, <laughs> now is as good a time as any because everything's being shifted and changed. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's a great point. I love the idea of basketball season starting on Christmas Day. That see, and you just throw on the five games that you normally do, put on the five games on Christmas Day, and go from there. Uh, what did you say about the playoffs though? For at least this twenty twenty season, are you are you just saying? Okay, because we have the eighteen games remaining plus playoffs. And then- oh, I, I wasn't talking about this season. But if you if you regularly start the NBA regular season on Christmas, then your postseason is going to be happening in August. Okay, I got you. And that's during the Olympics. That's during FIBA, uh, which is all other qualifying events. And you you couldn't send NBA players to those. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with yeah, you. I don't know I'm how with you. No, I'm that with you. Is. I just, it, man, it makes me But if we're doing just, it just for ratings' sake, I just yeah, think that's a silly reason. It's a silly reason. Yeah, I'm with you. Which I don't think Silver is all about that. I think David Stern would. I honestly, I honest to heaven think he would. Because, hey, we look really good on the tube. I think Adam Silver is more player-based, and so he's communicating. And I swear to life this. I really do think this, Eric. I think Eric is in communication with guys like Steph Curry, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, some of the major stars, and saying, what do you think? we should do because you players are the assets that make us the billions of dollars that we are worth. So what do you think is the best format? And I think that I honestly genuinely think that there's a conversation between that group with owners and execs included of how to have, make sure that this situation is done the right way. Well, you know, they're looking at that kind of stuff now because they got nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> they're not managing games. You know, they're not trying to figure out, you know, d- how to schedule the next game and travel and all those other logistics. So we got nothing else to do. So if we start, because I'm with you now. I was against you at first, but I'm with you now. I think we play the remaining 18 games because we have to. Yeah. I mean, we have to at this point. There's just, there's no equality right now and how many across the board with how many games have been played for each team. Yeah. So you have to get to that 82. There's tiebreaker scenarios that are important that need to be figured out. Uh, I don't think you can just all of a sudden begin when NBA decides to come back, begin in the postseason. I just yeah. don't think you can. So then you're looking at postseason ending when? You said August? Is that right? Well, it depends on when it starts up again, but right now we're looking at August. August, September? Well, it'd be done in August, but your 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 uh, late playoff rounds are probably going to be in early August. And then that's going to lead us right into football season, man. Because if your regular season ends in mid-April, you're playing the finals of the first week of June. Okay. So if we start at 
And, I mean, it, and what best case scenario is what end of May? Is that right? Mid to, to late at May. So yeah, you need six weeks for the playoffs. And maybe they change it. They say, look, we're just going to go best of fives instead of best of yeah, sevens. Yeah, see, that's the other thing they could do, and that's the other thing I could actually see them doing. Because, uh, let's see, we're looking at end of May. So I'll, I'll say for just kicks and giggles, May 25th on Memorial Day, right? We start, we play the 18 games. You're right, you're looking at about June 3rd, so first week of July. You're right, you're playing in the finals in the second week of August. Or I guess first full week of August. And those finals could go three to four weeks, three weeks maybe. That following week, Utah State's playing Washington State on a Thursday night. Uh, finals would only go two weeks max. Oh, you don't think? Okay. So you're yeah. saying, okay, but if they go seven games, Eric, you're saying what? Three games one week, three games the next week? Travel included? Yeah. Three or four games, depending on. Ooh, yeah. Speeding it up. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, we're going to take a break. Hey, by the way, just a very polite and kind reminder for those who are listening right now to the Full Court Press here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. We will be going to a one-hour show starting Monday, March 30th, 4 to 5. Now, don't freak out. Just calm down. I know you're thinking, well, I, I only hear you guys from 4 to 5 or 5 to 6 because I'm at work. A, we're on 106.9thefan.com. You can find all our episodes as well as podcasts of Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. You can find everything we have. And don't worry, Season 2 goes through until we start our two-hour episodes again. We will start our two-hour episodes when basketball and baseball resume because you can't fit basketball and baseball into a one-hour show. It's impossible, the way, and especially the way it's coming up. So we will have a one-hour show starting next Monday. We will stay one hour until we get back to basketball and baseball until sports gets back to its normalcy. And then we'll come back with full two-hour shows, which, by the way, means that we will start a new season. It will be season three of the full corporate. I know you guys are like season 75, but I'm starting the seasons over because, A, you weren't counting, and, B, it's a new group. <laughs> so uh, season three of the full court press will begin probably in late May, uh, give or take, when uh, basketball does start up. And, we'll, again, don't you worry. We'll have the Utah Jazz games here on the full court press on the same station, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, we'll have all the great content for you. You have the Jazz pregame and Jazz postgame and such. Uh, it will all be here for you guys. So, again, one-hour show starting on Monday. We'll get back to two-hour shows in about mid to late May as soon as sports resumes itself. Eric Franson there. I'm Audrey Salveson coming back on the Full Court Press. Don't forget we'll have our Friday Five Best where we talk about the five best playoff games to watch. I have five good ones for you, Eric, and I want yeses or noes. And I'm not being biased on these games. I'm thinking sincerely about you. Okay, I was thinking about you when I put these games together. But I was also thinking about myself to make us both happy. So we could both sit on a couch with Reggie with a bowl of popcorn and watch Six feet apart. Yeah, six feet apart. I might be on the floor, or you might be on the floor. But still, we'll, we'll make it work. That's all coming up on the Full Court Press. Eric France and AJ Salveson, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's Eric France and AJ Salveson here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan, 539 your time as we wrap up a Friday, get you ready for the freaking weekend with no sports again, but don't worry. Our Friday Five Best contains games that you must watch. Now, remember yesterday, Buddy Reader suggested we watch a couple games, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech from uh, two years ago, and then the year before that, 
Was it who was it? It was Montana and who? Do you remember? Uh, Eastern Washington. Yes, that's right. Because that's where he was. They scored forty-two points in the second half. <laughs> yeah, they were trailing by more than twenty, and then they won by double digits, wide margin. All right, so our Friday Five Best will contain the five best playoff games are that you must watch. Well, the five playoff games, from my opinion, that you should watch. Eric, I want to get your opinion on these. Ranked I, in no particular order. Yeah, no no order. No, 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 no order because they're all great games. But And I was not biased towards me saying, I oh, know you should watch the Patriots uh, 2003 divisional game where they picked off Manning three times. Yeah, and I'm not going to just go out there and throw out a bunch of Patriot games, so I could, Eric, just for your sake. So you could become. Yeah, you're a fan very kind. Person. It's very generous of you. Okay, so the first game I want to—it's it, a sneaky one, Eric. It really is a sneaky one, but it's a great one. Do you remember the Nuggets Celtics series in 1994 when Dikembe Mutombo went up against Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, Kendall Gill, and the powerful Sonics team? Do you remember this? Denver Nuggets versus the Seattle Sonics. Yep. For a second, I thought you said Celtics. But oh, that, I, I might have accidentally said Celtics. Sorry. Um, I meant the Sonics. Ooh, those were. Those were some good years. This was the Sonics had the best road record, the best home record, the best overall record. This Nuggets team had never been. This squad had never been to the playoffs. They then get there and have to face the best team in the league. Oh yeah, and they knocked them off. They were down 0-2, and they got flattened in Seattle. Both both games weren't even close. Came back to win the uh, next three games. They won the two in Denver, and they were just absolutely playing loose. And then uh, beat uh, beat Seattle in overtime to win Game Five. I'm suggesting I you watch Game Five of the Sonics Nuggets series. Sean Camp was such an athletic. Oh, dude, Gary, freak. how they never won an NBA championship is beyond my understanding. And and Kemp still says, by the way, it is the most heartbreaking loss of his career because he felt like because remember Jordan was not in the NBA; he was gone playing baseball. So it was between the Sonics, the Suns, and really the Rockets. And then the Sonics lost. The Nuggets played the Jazz. The Jazz beat the Nuggets. In fact, the Jazz were up three games to one, blew the lead, and had to go to a game seven, and then went and then lost to the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. And so it, it still sits with Sean Kemp. But that is game five, Nuggets Celtics in the playoffs in 1994 is a game you got to go watch. One of my favorites ever. Uh, another game. Well, that's the iconic. Dikembe uh, Mutombo's on the grass ground. Grass ball in emotion. He's ro- yeah, he's waving yes. his finger. He's all excited on the ground. Yeah, yes. I remember that. Yes, absolutely. Again, a really, really, really fun game to go watch. Uh, another good game to go watch, and this is kind of a sneaky one. Oh, where you go? I just had the uh, recap for. I want to read the recap because it was so good. Duck on it. Oh, oh, yeah, there it is. Patriots-Panthers Super Bowl. Nobody, like, I mean, there was, it was a defensive slugfest for the first two quarters. Second half opens up, and it becomes a shootout. I mean, teams were put, both teams put up points like crazy. Final score, 32-29, Patriots win it on a Vinatieri field goal. The first game, the first half is fun to watch just because there's so much hitting going on and there's the effects. So you can hear the effects, you can hear the trash talk, and then the second or second half, the ball's just flying everywhere. Like Jake DeLome and Tom Brady just had a heyday. It was almost like seven on seven passing league. And they had the time of their life. That's that's one of my other games. Third game is one that you're gonna strongly disagree with. Game seven, Cubs, Indians in Cleveland. A rain delay. 
delays this game. Delays it. The Cubs, and then by the way, which means Ooh, yes. that the, I think if I remember right, it actually gave the Cubs momentum because the Cubs, or no, the Indians momentum because the Cubs had it going to throw in a new pitcher. Indian, the Indians tagged him, including the uh, Chris Davis. Was it Chris Davis who hit the home run to tie it? That uh, went into the basket in the in the left field. I think it was Chris Davis. I can't remember the name. But then, of course, you have the Cubs, the 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 double that sent Rizzo to th- uh, second or third, and with his hands on his head, he kind of realized the like the momentum of the situation. Do you remember where you were when you were watching the game? Do you remember your reaction to it all? Oh yeah, well, I was home with my kids. We had it on. We were glued to the whole series. I'm oh, unreal. Did you honestly think when it went to Game Seven in Cleveland? Were you like, oh, crap, here we go again? Or yes. do you honestly have confidence you guys were going to win? You're like, no, oh, you're right. I just because of Chicago's history, I thought uh, this team is built to do this and they're finding ways to let it slip away. I, uh, I, I just, and by the way, nobody gives I just it, never, I never allowed myself to put my heart out there too much that they would actually be able yeah, to do it. Yeah, I'm with you. Nobody ever gives Chris Bryant credit enough for the play he made to get that out. You think about this, Eric. Ground ball, two hopper towards you, but it's slow, so you have to charge after it. And you got a speedy runner going towards first base. This is to win Game 7 of the World Series. And on the run, it's a harder play than it looks. And by the way, he's on like four or five yards from third baseline, charging home to make this play. And he has to throw across his body and get it to first. That is one of the more difficult plays you have to make. That was a heck of a throw. That was, and see, people don't give him credit enough for that. No, no, that was a great, great play. It was a great game too. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it, it just it kept going. It's everything you'd want. You want it clutch. You want it close. You want it decided at the very end, especially for your team. And that's how it played out. <laughs> NCAA tournament game. I, I'm sure you have one or two in your head. Here's mine. Just, I mean, hiding underneath, uh, hiding underneath the sheet because it's, I don't. You have all these great NCAA tournament games, right? The great upsets and such. For me, and it's and it's more biased, I guess, in my opinion, if you will. But watching Utah just dominate North Carolina in 1998 to go to the uh, national champ or yeah, national championship was unreal. Watching Andre Miller, oh, Michael Doliak, great run. Uh, Alex Johnson, Alex Jensen, Britton Johnson, who was a freshman, just beat the crap out of Antoine Jameson, beat up Vince Carter, and win that. Oh, one of the things I love most about that run is just watching what Utah would do defensively, ah. different from game to game. Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, they use this strategy against this team. They did a box in one effectively against these guys, and now they're doing the triangle in two, and it's like. Ah, this is amazing. Do you, it was so obvious to see how well they were doing it, and they executed it to perfection. You bring up the best point, because you remember who the box in one was on against Arizona? It was to shut down freaking Mike Bibby. And oh, Arizona yeah. had acted like they never seen a box in one. And so then like Mike Bibby's just sitting there kind of in a man's cage, and he's giving it to Simon, and I th- they called him Simon Says. But uh, And Simon was just horrible from the field that day, because they, they were letting him shoot all day. And he could not make a shot to save his life. And Mike Bibby, who was their leading scorer and leading assist man, was just shut down. And it was one of the smartest things. I remember Bill Raffrey saying on it, that is one of the most biggest coaching geniuses he's ever seen 
in his time of calling games. Uh, if they would have had one more day, if Utah could have had oh, one more day oh, I know. between the semifinal oh, and don't final. Don't do that. Don't do it. <laughs> because that was one of the criticisms is that uh, – um, all of a sudden, the name, I can't say his name. Coach. Majerus. Majerus. Thank you. Sorry. Long day. Uh, the Majerus would run his guys yes. ragged. Yes. Make sure they knew the plays and could execute them with precision. And they were doing it, but uh, eventually just caught up with them in the championship game. Because they were doing well, and then you could just see they were running out of gas. And they were just trying to hang on. And eventually, they just they just didn't have enough fuel in the tank. They came so close. One of the again, one of the great games, just the great game plans I had seen from Rick Majerus, and uh, just I guess from the Utah Utes team, that was just it was incredible. It was incredible. Another game that I actually liked, and again, this is uh, this is more uh, this was the Mountain West tournament back in eleven, I believe, or twelve eleven. New Mexico and BYU. Jimmer Fredette went off in this game. For 38 points on like a sizzling shooting of like 54%. And by the way, the atmosphere, I wasn't there, but I've been told by numerous people, beat writers, radio play by play guys, and, and just other and TV announcers and such, that is the best atmosphere they had ever seen for a college basketball game. That place was lit with New Mexico and BYU fans. And Jimmer put on a show, like, I mean, just that people hadn't seen in recent memory. And uh, and so if you ever get a chance, I think it's the Mountain West Conference semifinal because they played San Diego State in the championship in 11, if I'm not mistaken. And Jimmer Fredette puts on a show. In fact, watch the whole entire tournament of Jimmer Fredette. Watch. I mean, I know we're not BYU people here, but watch when Jimmer Fredette put on the show near that 11 seed. Uh, that was, that was an amazing individual performance in a postseason run. Yes. Any games for you, by the way, as I'm bringing these up? I got one more. Uh, well, I, I think of, of some football games. Uh, college bowl games. I don't know if that qualifies. Yes. In this oh yeah, it's a playoff game. But the, uh, the 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 Boise State Oklahoma game, the first Statue Fiesta Bowl, of Liberty. Yes, uh, just that one kept going, and uh, uh, Boise State kept coming out with new trick plays. Everything Oklahoma felt like, all right, we're going to manhandle these guys. Boise State straight up played them, and then they had some trick plays to put them off balance. It was just that was a great, great game. And then later that season, if I'm not mistaken, that same bowl season was the USC-Texas title game, which was an oh, amazing... Oh, that's right. Vince Young, good yes, one. Yes, that was a great at the college Col- Wasn't it at the Coliseum? It was in Southern Utah. Oh, yeah. Or Southern or that California. was in California, wasn't it? I can't that remember was if it was the Rose Bowl or Yeah, USC? it was. It was a Rose Bowl. So that was in their backyard. Yeah, so it should have been, yeah, theirs to, to win, but that was a great, great game. Uh, final call, to, and this is a college football playoff game for me as well. And... Uh, <laughs> Well, Utah beating up on Alabama is one of the more fun because you, you heard all the national riders, Alabama yes. by 30, Alabama by 21, Alabama's pissed, Alabama by 50. Yeah, it was embarrassing that they were even having to play bingo. Utah. And that like, and so and, and, and Utah's like, well, and Utah did a great job of just shutting their mouth and getting ready for the game. The whole week they heard, well, hey, Alabama said this about you. We don't care. One guy said, instead of playing in the national championship, we're playing in some meaningless bowl game versus some uh, little brother squad. And it was just, I mean, it was just insult after insult after insult. And then finally, they get to the game. So I remember the coin toss, and the mics picked it up. A defensive lineman goes up to an offensive, uh, I think it was Brian Johnson, who was a quarterback at the time, shakes his hand and says, we're going to kill you tonight. <laughs> and he's like, oh, great. Oh, okay, okay, well, good game. Have uh, good luck tonight. 
21 nothing after the first quarter. 21 to nothing. And Nick yeah. Saban had lost all of his hair. Oh, it was that was such a beautiful beatdown. Yeah. That we was amazing. All, everybody was on great, the same side game. that night in the state of Utah. Everybody was on the same sideline that night. Sometimes you love to see a close competitive game like the Boise State Oklahoma yes. come down to the wire. But sometimes you just I just love to watch a good old fashioned beatdown. Yep. And when Especially it comes to the SEC, when it's from exactly the, the little guy exactly. to the big guy. All right, we got to take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap up here the first hour here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan. Hey, have a great weekend, everybody. Just remember, Governor Gary Herbert has issued a stay home, stay safe. It's not a shelter-in-place order but he is encouraging everyone to stay home as much as possible. Work from home whenever possible. Don't travel, especially when it comes to spring break. Sorry, everybody. Across town, when my car got down, started lurching and trying to die. Well, luckily, there was a shop, and when it struggled to a stop, a nice fella met me right outside. I said, man, something's wrong. What the heck is going on here?